where we have to go back to the essence of who we are rather than convincing ourselves that we are the things that everyone tells us we are. Mm-hmm. So number two is all about reconnecting to the core because only then can we really find our light, find our power, and then come into alignment with who we're truly meant to be and the gifts that we're meant to share with the world, and then step into that and allow that individual to be who who comes out and who is present in, in our day-to-day life. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Alexa's Hour. I'm Alexa, your host. And if you are new here, welcome to this space. Today, I have a very special guest on, Miss Carla Fernandez. She is a certified trainer and master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. She's a transformational life coach, along with a Reiki master, along with so many other things. So I am so excited for you guys to hear from her today because as we go all into releasing things that no longer serve you, as well as recognizing limiting beliefs and how to let go of them. And so I will have all of Carla's information. If you guys want to check her out and see if you would like to be coached by her, she also provides some free material for you guys to work with at the end of this episode. So make sure you stick around for that. And I hope you guys enjoy this one. So Carla, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat again. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I am really excited for our chat today because our first chat on, we have a separate uh, episode on Carla's podcast, which is coming out in April. Um, So you guys can check that one out. So we are acquainted with each other's journeys a little bit here, but today we're going to get to dive more into Carla's journey. So I was hoping that you could just start us off like dive into your experience leaving kind of the corporate world um, and what I I know that this is, I don't want to say a trend, but something that a lot of people in the life coaching world experience of feeling like something is just not resonating in their current job and workplace. And they're like, I just got to figure out something new, but the journey looks different for everyone. Right. So I wanted to hear your story a little bit more and how you came to realize something was off. Uh, Again, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to share the story. I think Um, so many of us experience something similar. Again, it sort of shows up very differently in each of our lives, but um, the underlying sort of issue uh, is present for so many of us. And Uh, often we don't really know what to do or how to overcome it. So I think it's important to, you know, hear these stories of other people who've experienced similar, similar situation and have found ways to sort of overcome it and and come out of it uh, on the other side, uh, feeling much more sort of whole, I guess that that's how I would describe my my experience, but um, sort of to go back to the beginning of where it all started. I spent about 15 years as a uh, working as an investment advisor, uh, you know, in sort of that typical, um, uh, you know, working on that typical career path, striving for more, always, you know, seeking for the next opportunity and, you know, investing so much time and energy in my career, especially being um, sort of in the financial world as a female um, can can be quite challenging. And, And I know that so many of us women experience that in different industries, but the reality still stands that um, women still have challenges uh, being seen and respected in the same way in certain professions and certain like more male dominant professions. Um, And so it almost um, forces us to have to work harder or prove ourselves so much more in comparison mm-hmm. to our male counterparts because we're being held to you know such high standards and not that the standards need to change it's just 
you know, the standards are um, very differently um, when it comes or applied very differently when it comes to women as it is when it comes to men. And so Mm -hmm. I guess I just sort of caught myself up in that world of, you know, always um, trying to prove myself to my colleagues and to my superiors um, and trying to demonstrate that, you know, um, I was able to do the job that I was doing as a female, um, despite sort of, you know, being treated in, 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 in so many different ways that, um, you know, I think so many of us experience in the workplace, right. Um, where we're not appreciated or we're not valued, or we just have to give so much more in order to just be recognized. Mm-hmm. And sort of that, that was kind of what I was experiencing over a period of, you know, the, I would say, you know, 10 to 15 years. And I was just constantly like um, forcing so much um, energy and so much of my attention into this career because I convinced myself that A, I was doing something that was helping people because the end result, the end client that I was supporting really appreciated and valued the work that I was doing for them. Um, but I was working in a toxic environment. I was working in a in a in a place that was not necessarily conducive to who I was as an individual, mm-hmm. and not really knowing who that was, I continued to just you know plug along because I was convinced that this was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Convinced by society, convinced by you know family, friends, the the supportive people are, that I had around me that you know, reminded me on a regular basis that I had a great secure job that was providing, you know, for a a pretty stable lifestyle. Um, You know, the job certainly allowed me to, you know, uh, be able to purchase my home on my own uh, independently. Um, It it afforded me a a lifestyle that, provided a lot of sort of security and, 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 and independence. Right. And I finally got to that point where I was like, that's, that's great. I have the security and the independence and all the things that I dreamed of from a financial perspective, but mm-hmm. I feel very empty on the inside. And I feel like, um, although I'm helping people, this is not quite how I en- envisioned I would be helping people. Um, And it certainly wouldn't be with all of the um, other struggles that came with being in the industry, all of the sort of pressure and the force that I felt like I was um, constantly using in order to just make this life possible. It didn't feel easy. It didn't feel natural. It felt like I was constantly forcing at something or making something like pushing at something in order for it to just be what it was. Mm-hmm. And eventually that led me to a place where I was dealing with, um, I, I wasn't sleeping properly. I was working crazy hours, like 16, 17 hour days. I had very little time for myself, very little time to prioritize like my own self-care, it was always about giving so much and pouring so much into this career. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, eventually, you know, after many years of doing that, it will lead to a number of different issues. I was suffering from depression. I was dealing with physical health issues, um, not sleeping properly, not eating properly. And then eventually it sort of all came to a boiling point where something very small and insignificant happened at work, Mm -hmm. but it was sort of the catalyst for an explosion in my whole entire life where I was no longer sort of able to deal with what was, what, what was going on in my life. So I had to actually take some time away. I went on a medical leave and spent probably the next six or seven months just really focusing on wow. me and my healing because I, as I said, I had gotten, I had allowed it to accumulate to such a point that, um, that breaking point, And it was something small, as I said, it wasn't even anything very significant, but it was enough to sort of 
it was like the the straw that broke the camel's back it was enough to get me over the edge to the point mm-hmm. where i had to completely stop everything in my life and just purely focus on healing myself and healing mm-hmm. my mental state of being my emotional state of being and, and my physical state of being because everything was completely out of whack um including my spirituality and my spiritual practices i mean i at that time i not sure that i really had any spiritual practices in place and i think a lot of it um is part of the reason why i it got to a point where i had to take that break because i i wasn't taking care of myself i was giving mm-hmm. too much to everyone and everything uh, outside of me and i was forgetting to sort of replenish and refill my own my own energy and my own cup so that i could stay balanced and i can stay healthy and i can stay um you know grounded enough to be able to continue on through life because life can be challenging right and we need to be able to take care of ourselves and um our mental well-being our emotional well-being um so that we can sort of face the um, experiences and the situations that we encounter in life. I want to honor you even in making that decision, because I think people don't realize the amount of bravery and courage it takes to do that for yourself. Um, There's so many underlying things that come with making that decision to put yourself first. How did you how did you just, was it just like enough is enough? And did you kind of just like hit rock bottom and you're like, okay, it's time. Is that what the experience was like for you? Essentially, essentially. And I mean, I, 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 in hindsight, I could go back now and I could look at the various points in my life where I was getting the signs and the, and the signals that I needed to start slowing down and I needed to start to take care of myself. But at the time, I didn't know what that looked like, looks like, mm-hmm. looked like. So even though I was getting the signs, I didn't know what they meant and I didn't know what, what it would all lead to. I know now, and now I can go back and say, oh yes, there was many signs mm-hmm. that I should have paid attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, yes, it, it all led to a breaking point where I felt like my life was coming to an end. Um, I had no desire for anything because I just stopped knowing who I was and what was important to me. I was so fixated on making sure everyone else around me was happy and was, you know, pleased with my performance or pleased with my delivery of things or pleased with how I helped. It was always about like pleasing everyone else that I sort of lost Mm. myself in the process. Mm. Um, And so coming to that point where it was like really at the lowest point in my life, dealing with all that depression and the anxiety, um, there was all kinds of emotions. It was anger. There was sadness. There was, um, you know, guilt and shame for the, the list can be endless of how many different emotions were present at the time. Um, and essentially, yes, I allowed it to get to a point where I had to, I, I had, I had no choice but Mm -hmm. to now look at the situation that I was in and start to figure out how I can pick up the pieces again, because I had neglected it for so long that I allowed everything to sort of break in my life. My career broke apart. My home broke apart. My physical well-being broke broke apart. And then I had to kind of take that step back and say, well, now what? Now, Now what do I do? And now how do I move forward? And now what does life look like? And before I can answer any of those questions, I really had to like take the time to figure out what even led me to the point that I got to, what led me to that place where I was sort of having a major breakdown in my life mm-hmm. and had to realize that it was having encountered, you know, um, years of experience, trauma from childhood, um, you know, trauma from the workforce, trauma from, you know, being a young uh, woman that can be internalized in so many different ways. But 
the reality is that there was things that had happened or there was experiences that I had had in the past at uh, younger points in my life that I hadn't fully resolved or fully overcome those experiences. And Mm -hmm. so they were keeping me trapped or keeping me stuck um, in all of this unhappiness and all of this sadness and all of this anxiety. And it, it eventually got, it eventually put me in a place where it took over my entire life because mm-hmm. at one point I was happy in the financial world. I was um, feeling fulfilled, but mm-hmm. I think having not dealt with, you know, the past pain, the past trauma, having then poured so much of myself overcompensating based on, again, all of that past pain and past trauma, I think I poured so much of myself into my career, expecting that it was going to give me more than that I needed in order to fill those sort of voids that were in myself um, Mm -hmm. from not having done the work as a child, from not having processed all that pain and all that trauma from being younger. It left, you know, sort of voids within me that I think I was trying to overcompensate in my career and Mm. eventually it led me to feeling like that was just creating just as much trauma in my life as the experiences from when I was a child Mm. and so you know all of that sort of pain and sadness comes to the surface again but this time I'm older this time Mm. I have no choice but to confront it and to face it because I've come to realize that if I don't face it head on, then it's eventually going to take over the life, take over my life, and it can destroy um, whatever happiness you have in your life from not Mm -hmm. dealing from this past trauma or Mm -hmm. from these past experiences. And so I think that's what was, you know, what I was going through was having accumulated so much trauma in the past that I hadn't dealt with that, mm-hmm. you know, it it sort of took over a life that I did have joy at one point and did have happiness at one point, completely tainted it. And then it left me back to square one where now I was having to actually deal with the emotions, deal with that pain before I can actually take the next step in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is sort of where we are today. Now, fast forward, I think that was about seven years ago um, when sort of this breakdown happened in my life. Um, and although it was very painful at the time, I could see in the moment that what was happening was happening for a reason. I couldn't understand what it was, but I I had that much sort of intuition or um, I guess consciousness to know that this was happening and something good was going to come of this. I just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So now we fast forward seven years later and what I do now and where I find sort of my passion is in helping other individuals who have gone through a similar sort of situation where they've had a major breaking point in their life and they're kind of left wondering what's next and where do they start in sort of picking up those pieces uh, so that they can take the right steps going forward Um, so you know again that that breaking point ended up leading to major breakthroughs in my life both personally because it's it's done so much healing for me as an individual but also in terms of, you know, how I invest my time and energy now, which is helping other individuals who um, have similar experiences. That's amazing when we can use our own experience to help other people. I feel that that's always the most effective way to actually have see that to actually show people that change is possible because you, you can only you, you use your own experience, right. To kind of coach them through that. What is your, like, how do you coach people on that first step? For me, I've always approached it from the sense of those things like you were mentioning need to kind of arise as they naturally would and almost like vomit out of you before any other work can be done 
to me, that's always been the first step. So I'm curious to kind of hear like, what is, if you have something similar? Yes, a hundred percent. Actually, um, my coaching program is built around my, what I call my three-step sort of process, which is all around releasing. So step number one is the most crucial step, which is all about identifying and releasing what those things are. I'm a firm believer in that we cannot move forward in life unless we know where we are at that particular moment. It's, it's no different than if you're, you know, uh, wanting to find directions online to go to a specific place, the starting point or, or sorry, the Mm -hmm. GPS is always going to ask you for what that starting point is before it can tell you how long it's going to take you to that final destination. And it's no different with this healing process and no different with um, wanting to achieve our goals or being in a place where we want to attract new things into our life. We cannot do any of those things until we first identify what our starting point is or where we are in the present moment. Mm. That can help us give us context for A, what we need to look at and resolve before we can take those steps towards, you know, those dreams or towards that healing or to that destination. So number one for me, when I work with my, with my clients is helping them to first identify what are the limiting beliefs or what are these um, sort of traumas or emotions that are predominant in our life that are what I would argue are holding you back or keeping you stuck in living a life that is small or living a life that is not in in alignment with who you are. Um, Similar to my experience, you know, I convinced myself when I was in the corporate world, living, uh, working as an advisor, helping individuals make financial decisions. I convinced them that I was, I convinced myself that I was helping them because that was important to me. That was one of my values and my morals and belief systems. Mm -hmm. But what was important to everyone else around me was that I had a good job at a bank, Mm -hmm. somewhere secure, the typical, you know, postgraduate or post-university path is you get out of school and you go find a professional career that then you're supposed to love and, um, admire for the next, you know, 30, 40 years until you retire. Right. And, you know, I started that path. I convinced myself that that's, that was what I wanted, but in all of this, in this whole journey, what I really wanted was to find a way to help people. And I, at that Mm -hmm. time, at that early stage of my life, I didn't know how to do that. Now I know that there are so many other ways and so many other tools that we have at our disposal that can actually help individuals. And Um, Again, I think part of the process is to first identify what are those stories, what are those belief systems, what are those things that are holding us back that we convince ourselves to be true, Mm -hmm. when in fact, they are nothing more than an illusion that we've created for ourselves. And certainly we've uh, attached so much energy and so much emotion behind it that we've made it a reality. But in fact, a lot of those belief systems are just illusions that have been created by the world outside of us. And so we absolutely have to release all of those belief systems that don't serve us, the things that are there that are we know are holding us back, because there is no truth in those belief systems. They were just mm-hmm. creations that or things that we created to keep ourselves safe or that others created in order to keep us safe because they thought that was what was best for us. So Mm -hmm. number one, absolutely, we have to release. Um, And for me, the second step is really about connecting, reconnecting with yourself, because I think that, um, again, we are programmed by society, by our family, by our friends from such a young age. And in, in many cases, these people in our lives, they mean well, they think that they're doing the best for us. In most cases, there's not 
um, you know, an evil intent or malicious intent behind what our parents do or what, you know, these uh, family friends around mm -hmm. us do, but they're all essentially trying to keep us safe. But in doing that, they're um, in essence creating these sort of patterns or belief systems that then we form at a young age that mm -hmm. can hinder us as we get older. Mm -hmm. So it's important to break that down. It's important to see what those are and also to recognize that those values or those belief systems are someone else's. They don't necessarily represent and mean that they are yours. Mm -hmm. And so the second part of the process is to reconnect to who you are because we have to learn or we have to go back to the essence of who we are rather than convincing ourselves that we are the things that everyone tells us we are. Mm -hmm. So number two is all about reconnecting to the core because only then can we really find our light, find our power, and then come into alignment with who we're truly meant to be and the gifts that we're meant to share with the world and then step into that and allow that individual to be who who comes out and who is present in in our day-to-day -day life rather than you know um a version of ourselves that is much more sort of closed and sheltered because we're afraid of the world mm-hmm I, and that deconstruction is so hard to find what you actually believe. I remember that was such, even thinking about it now, I could get emotional thinking about it because that was such a difficult process for me to even, I didn't know where to even start with what do I believe and what did people tell me I should think is right or wrong or whatever. Um, and I think for everybody that journey looks really different. And I think for some people, they get there faster. And that's why it's so important too to like to not create comparisons in this journey. Um, because going back to what you said, I love that analogy of like the GPS. You have to find where your starting point is versus someone else's starting point. And I think with this kind of content too, sometimes we watch it or read it or whatever, and we think, well, this is what this person did. And you can never replicate someone else's journey. That's where you start to create that, that doubt in yourself, that judgment of yourself that you're not getting somewhere fast enough. Um, and I've always taken pride in being able to simplify where I'm at versus where I'm trying to go. And I feel like you have that as well, where you're like, okay, where well, this is where I am at right now. And if my dream is to have this house or my dream is to have this job or this partner, what do I physically need to do? to get there. And what you and I are saying is the physical things are easy to do. There's these underlying things that are keeping you from doing those physical things, because yeah. it's just these little steps that you have to do. Like tomorrow, I need to send this email to this person, or I need to go to the gym at five in the morning or whatever. Those are all really easy things. But I remember in my, I'm still going through this. We'll probably never end. Whenever you are making these decisions, you're like, how am I going to do that? Can I do that? What if this person thinks this and thinks that? And it's all just these underlying limiting beliefs. And that's where I was going to ask you, how do we start to uncover those limiting beliefs? How do we recognize them in the first place? Do you think it's just us starting the journey and realizing there's resistance in making these decisions and then the limiting belief comes out? Or what do you think is like a good way to start to realize what they are in the first place yeah again we always have to that's the first step is to even just be aware that they're present mm -hmm. um and i would say you know if if you just start to listen to your thought patterns or listen mm -hmm. to the things that um come up as you have ideas so for example if uh, you come across a new job opportunity and you're like, wow, you know, I would really love to do that. Um, that looks so interesting. I feel like, you know, you come up with all these, you know, wonderful reasons or, yes, reasons as to why you want to take on this opportunity. And then you have that pause and that moment where you start to, you know, think more deeply about it. And then this thoughts start to surface. 
And if you start, if you're thinking things like, oh, well, you know, yeah, it sounds like a great job, but I, I don't, I don't think I, I'll ever get that job. I don't think I'll get that job. I don't have the skills for that job or, you know, it, it requires traveling. I, I don't think I can travel for, you know, 50% of my life. When you start to get those sort of thoughts come to the surface, then those are often signs that you have a limiting belief in place that is um, actually preventing you from taking these opportunities. And so those thoughts, more often than not, when those thoughts start to surface, then an individual will will stop themselves from actually applying for that job because they have that belief that, well, they're not smart enough or no, they really can't travel 50% of the year or they'll eventually convince themselves because of all of those thoughts not to take that action or that step forward because of whatever's come to the surface. Mm -hmm. Same thing can be applied to whether it's, you know, uh, looking for a partner or a relationship, right? You find someone that you're attracted to and, and, you know, you initially, you get that idea of like, oh, maybe I should approach that person. And then the thoughts start to kick in and the thoughts are, well, you know, I, I'm not pretty enough or, uh, I'm not smart enough, or, you know, I don't have the right hair color, or I'm not tall enough, whatever the excuses could be, because, you know, as we all know, we all can come up with a million excuses as to, or reasons as to why we prevent ourselves from doing the things that we truly want. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we see those, it's really important, or when we start to see that that's our thought pattern, it's really important in the moment to just pause and actually start to challenge yourself, challenge those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So in the example of applying for that job opportunity, if the thought is, well, I'm, I'm not capable of this job then the, the next thought should be, well, why am I not capable of this job? Why do I believe I'm not capable of this job? And try and find reasons and proof for what you're believing. And I can almost guarantee you that you're not going to find a lot of reasons mm -hmm. to support that, that, mm -hmm. uh, that belief system, because you will find uh, the moments and the opportunities in your life where you have been successful or where you have accomplished what you wanted. And so those will start to come to the surface to, to counteract that negative belief system. But again, we really have to first be aware of the pattern before we can even take that next step. So mm -hmm. as these ideas uh, or these downloads sort of start to come to the surface um, for each and any one of your uh, sort of listeners. If you're getting these ideas or these downloads and you're feeling inspiration to do something, if your next thought is followed by something that you know is holding you back or is um, preventing you from taking that step forward or is limiting you, then you know that you have a belief system in place that is ultimately holding you back from achieving these dreams. And so mm. I would um, invite you to go on that journey to get to the root cause or, or really get deep down into why this belief system is in place. Because if we don't pull the belief system from the root, it's just gonna keep growing back in different ways and showing up in our lives in, in different ways. So mm -hmm. just like, you know, trying to take a weed out from the grass, we really want to get at it from the root. Otherwise it's just going to keep growing back. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with our belief systems. If we don't get to the root cause, look at that belief system and, and try to understand a, how it was formed, why it was formed and then what lessons can we learn from the fact that it was formed to begin with? Because it's in those lessons that we can actually find the opportunity to release any pain or any emotions or any attachments that we have to that experience and to that belief system. And I think it's, it's going back to what you said, it's helpful to always just remember that 
it's the word belief is in there for a reason. It's a limiting belief. It's not a fact, but our, our thoughts are so good. Our mind is so good at convincing us that every thought is grounded in reality and rooted in reality. And it's funny because I just had this, like I'm having deeper and deeper realizations of my thoughts are not me. My mind is not me. I am the observer of the mind. And so I repeat this to myself, but it's, it takes like very, it's almost like residual trickling of that realization where you have to, you have to just realize it on your own as you just keep practicing, observing your thoughts. And I think that's why meditation is so helpful. I mean, for some people, they meditate in different ways, right? But if you're just sitting with your thoughts, you'll realize like it's it's kind of like uh, my partner was giving this example of having like an incessant twin handcuffed to your arm all the time. That's yes. like badgering at you saying like, you're not doing enough or you're not good enough or um, you can't do that thing. You're not good enough to do that thing, whatever. And so once you view it in that sense of, you're you're just the thoughts you're just that trying to bring you're trying to bring stuff up for me to doubt myself um mm-hmm. i first approached it and i'm sure you had this experience too where you're kind of like oh i hate that version of myself that's like mm-hmm. the part that i don't want to acknowledge and when you do that it's like what you were saying of that will grow back it's not pulled out from the root so to pull it out from the root for me that experience was loving it so like incessantly that it like shut it down and it shut it up. And of course it still comes up, but that's like a trigger for me to know I haven't given that part love recently and I'm allowing it to stifle my openness. So it's just, it's trying to close me in, make me feel smaller because I feel insecure for whatever reason. And I'm not loving that part of myself. And it's so important for us to, to, if so long as we think that that is us, I don't think we ever pull it out from the root. Like you said, because we're constantly thinking like, oh, that's just my personality. That's how I am. It's not you. It's the conditioning. It's everything you've been through. And I think to touch on something else you said too, realizing your traumas is a very difficult step too, because I think a lot of us, at least for me, I had this experience where I was like, I didn't have like a quote unquote traumatic childhood, mm-hmm. but there are traumas in the child that you didn't understand as a child. And those are traumas. And I think sometimes we don't like to label it that way because we think it's like exaggerated or something mm-hmm. like you don't deserve to say that you've been through something traumatic. And once you overcome that hurdle where you're like, no, that was, that was traumatic for me. And it's take, it's taken me a while to process. Then you realize that these things will, life is constant, like trauma coming towards you. So then you have to learn how to just withstand that and realize and say, this is, this is not going to define me. This is just something that, that happened. Right. Right. I love how you said that. Cause it, it's true. So many people think that because their experience isn't, um, or the trauma that they experienced wasn't sort of life altering. Like, you know, we, we know of people in this world, unfortunately, because, you know, our world is uh, still dealing with a lot of pain uh, and a lot of trauma in itself. And so it just mm-hmm. keeps perpetuating. Um, but Yes, there are people in the world who deal with, you know, um, more life altering types of trauma, right? Like wars or sexual abuse or violence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But we cannot discount that um, the other forms of trauma, the ones that are not necessarily life altering, the ones that people deal with on a regular basis. Um, it is still trauma. And the reality is that our body, our nervous system, and our mind all interpret it the same way, whether it's this life-altering trauma that's more 
deep and profound, or it's the more surfaced trauma. And I'm just trying to say that as a way of distinction. It's not that I think it's surfaced in any way, because as I'm trying to explain is that trauma and how it's actually perceived in the body and in the mind is the exact same. And so it's important for people to realize that to not discount the lighter trauma as, oh, it, it wasn't significant enough. It wasn't traumatic enough. Therefore, I don't need to worry about it. No, we actually still need to worry about it in the same way as if it was something more deeply profound, because mm -hmm. the way the body internalizes it is the same way the body is still going to react to that trauma and put you in fight or flight mode or in this sympathetic nervous system in the same way, whether you're dealing with something that's light or whether you're dealing with something that's more sort of detrimental or life altering. The physical impact on the body is the same. The way the mind interprets it is the same. And I think we've done a disservice to humanity over the last few decades where we've been, you know, sort of downplaying what trauma really is mm -hmm. and what you know, that, you know, people don't really suffer trauma unless it's one of these life altering events that happened. And we now have, you know, generations of people who don't really understand how trauma shows up what it looks like mm. and what the effects of trauma are on the body and trauma could be something as simple as being told that you're not pretty enough or you're too fat or you're not smart enough it could be that simple and a, an individual can internalize that as something detrimental or traumatic to the human psyche and to the body and that can eventually lead to health issues or to depression or to mental health issues and so we need to just look at trauma for what it is again going back to that first point which is just observation if we look at things for what they are we can start to see it for what it is and then begin to put into place whatever we need to do to heal from it or to overcome it but in particular with trauma, again, the, the impacts to the body over the long term are so detrimental that I really do mm -hmm. think that people need to start to pay attention more and more to how the body internalizes our experiences mm -hmm. rather than what we have been told to believe about our experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, but I've been wanting to pick that up because it's all about what you were just saying, where you'll suddenly realize like, wow, do I, have I always had this pain in this part of my body? Or have I always felt this deep anxious tension, like just in my gut all the time. And it's these traumas manifest into these limiting beliefs. And then you they're circulating in your subconscious all day. And then it's manifesting in your physical body. And it's for me, I even had the experience of like, I would break out into hives and rashes. And I'm like, I haven't changed my diet. My, I live in the same place. Like nothing's changed, but I'm so anxious or stressed or whatever I'm breaking out. <laughs> and that was kind of a, a turning point for me too, where I'm like, there's a lot going on in here that I need to look at. And so one of my last questions for you is, and that's a heavier one, I guess, but how do we, you know, we realize them, we realize these limiting beliefs, we acknowledge them, we accept them. What is your stance on how do we begin to release them? Does it look different for everybody? Or how do we start to actually say, okay, this is no longer serving me and I'm done with you? So, I mean, releasing looks very different for everyone, as you mentioned, um, but I, I do think that it is important to find, and, and sometimes it is, you know, trial and error. So you might have to try a couple of different things mm. that um, will help you with the release process. Um, but, you know, like, so I, I can tell you about a um, technique that I love that 
I actually use with my students that really gets to the deep rooted cause of these belief systems. Um, but this is a practice that you do need to be guided through typically, um, mm -hmm. like have a practitioner that would guide you through this practice. But in essence, the practice is um, it's it's called time techniques and it's similar to timeline therapy where because as we know time is just a, a, a human concept right we can be here in the present moment and actually travel back in time or travel to the future in time and so we can actually take that principle and um, go back to a point in time mm. where that belief system was formed or where that belief system was first originated. And we can go to that time point or point of time in our history and actually observe what transpired, what the experience was, what the situation was, and find the lessons in that experience that we need in order to be able to actually let go of the belief system or let go of that pain and so that it actually can create the release in your present moment mm -hmm. where you are today so that's a technique that I absolutely love but it, as I said it's something that you 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 need uh, someone to sort of guide you through but for practices that you know someone can do on their own time that can sort of help them navigate um, sort of it, you know, these difficult times in their life. Um, things like EFT, emotional freedom technique, is another practice or tool that can actually in the moment help you release whatever is showing up. So it takes about, you know, 15 minutes, um, give or take. You can certainly do it in lots, but if you really want to go through the practice as it's meant to, if you give yourself 15, 20 minutes, it can instantly change how you're feeling in a given moment. But again, I would sort of classify that tool as something that's a little bit more surfaced in the sense that it will help you resolve the situation in that moment, but it's not necessarily something that's going deep to the root cause to help the release happen at a deeper level. Mm. Um, certainly journaling. I think journaling and really tapping into, you know, our higher self, which I think a journaling practice can do when, you know, you have the right setting in place and the right intention in place, but um, having a practice of journaling and using that as a way to sort of, um, you know, pour out the emotions or pour out the feelings that uh, someone is having that can help someone in the release process. Um, I also love this practice called uh, TRE, which is tension trauma release exercise. So it's um, actual, it's a somatic body-based practice where we actually use like physical exercise and movement in the body to help release trauma that is uh, often stuck in the body. Um, but I did want to mention one thing that, you know, before we actually have a physical manifestation of anything in the body, whether it's physical disease or, you know, trauma of some kind, usually that has manifested in our energy field first, mm -hmm. and then in our emotional fields, and in our mental field before it actually comes into the physical body. And oh. so part of what I teach my students is really understanding that if we want optimal health, we have to look at ourselves in order to achieve wholeness as um, an individual that has multiple layers. We, we need to get our mindset in check. We need to get our emotions in check. We need to get our physical body in check, but we also need to have a spiritual practice that encompasses and wraps itself around, you know, balancing the mind, the body and the, and the, and the heart, because unless we do, then we can never achieve physical health or mental health or emotional health. Mm -hmm. When one of those is out of whack, they're all out of whack. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest lesson I learned through my experience in my journey is that I had to put practices in place 
to maintain my spiritual well-being, maintain my physical well-being, maintain my emotional well-being, um, and my mental state of being, right? It, it, it wasn't until I, I encompassed or sort of brought all of those uh, different components together that I was able to start feeling more like myself as a person again. That's beautiful. It reminds me of, um, I forget where I read or heard this quote, but every day do one thing for your physical, one thing for your mental, one thing for your emotional, spiritual, and it can be the tiniest, tiniest thing. And it just, it shifts. It just puts you in a different state of being a different energy. And I think that's why I I think that's why the morning is so important. Winning your morning is so important Mm -hmm. because it sets the tone for the rest of the day. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I notice, I notice a difference and it's interesting because the people in my life also notice a difference Mm. on the days where I'm much more like where I've started the day as I would like to, as you Mm -hmm. said, winning the day with my morning practice. So when I, when I have a morning like that, I go into my workplace so cool, calm, collected, my energy is so different and people notice it. Mm -hmm. And then on the days that I wake up later or I'm rushing or I'm not feeling so great and I'm just more frantic, it's also noticed in my energy. Mm. And it's funny because a colleague of mine mentioned that to me this past week on a day that I had gotten up in the morning and did my (laughs) whole morning routine. And she's like, she commented the minute I walked in, she didn't even, I didn't even say good morning, nothing. I just opened the door and I walked in and she's like, wow, you've done something different today. And I was like, Mm. no, well, yes. I mean, I did my (laughs) homework routine and I think that's what you're noticing. And she's like, yeah, it, you just, you're in a different space. And I'm like, Mm. I feel like I'm in a different space when I, Mm -hmm. you know, invest that time and energy in myself first thing in the Mm -hmm. morning versus when I'm, you know, get up later and I'm rushing and I'm getting out the door and I'm trying to just, you know, survive in my day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's noticeable in my energy. So I have to have more of that morning practice for myself because I, I notice the difference and so do others. So do other people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you don't have to be, it is like a built-in feature for humans. And I think people sometimes think you have to be like an empath to always pick up on other, I think we're all built-in empaths in a certain way. We pick up on auras and energies constantly all day, whether you think you notice it or you don't, you, your body feels it from others. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool how we have that. And I think we have that because we were built to perceive threats if a threat mm-hmm. is coming towards us. And so now we're at a different stage as, as, a, as a species, as a collective where we don't really have to do that anymore, but we're almost more sensitive as a result of that because we're expecting like a threat to come around the corner um, from another person or whatever. And that's not really the reality. Now it's just people are sensing that you can pick up people's energies. And yeah, that's why the morning routine is so important. And I think um, it doesn't have to be like a two hour routine. I think a lot of us think that that's what it has to be. I mean, it can be like 10, 15 minutes in the morning and we all have 10 minutes. We do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or even exactly. five minutes, even five minutes, <laughs> even if it's the minute before you get out of your car to step into work, like yeah. you have that one minute, just do it for yourself. <laughs> Yes. So important. So important. And you're right. I think for the longest time I had this belief that it was like, oh, I had to dedicate so much time to this in the morning. And then I I listened to a lot of like energy readings, psychic readings, tarot card readings. And over the last couple of uh, weeks, it's always been like, just make sure you have this morning routine. And someone broke it down for me was like, 10 minutes, that's all you need. 10 minutes of, you know, meditation, 10 minutes of visualization, and then, you know, 10 minutes of exercise. Personally, I I want more time for exercise. So I've structured it a little bit differently, but when they just simply said like 10 minutes of visualizing, 10 minutes of meditation, I was like, 
20 minutes, that's all I need. And then I can go off and do my workout. And then, you know, so in an hour, I can do everything I need to in order to make my mind, my body, and my spirit in check for the day. I'm like, mm -hmm. not, not, not too bad. Mm -hmm. Not too bad at all. <laughs> it's all, it's so funny because it's all always simpler than it seems, yeah. isn't it? Even going, going back, going back to what we were saying earlier, even just it's, you got to simplify why you don't have the day you have. Maybe you don't have the morning routine down. Simplify that. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to go to bed earlier, but taking it back yeah. to what we were talking about before, even simplifying your limiting beliefs that are coming up and how to get past them. It's actually so much simpler than we think. You just got to like dissect it and realize yeah. how do I, and then once you're past that, how do I get to the thing that I want? Okay. I have to do this tomorrow. And then this, the next day, and like just a small step after small step. And so that's how I live my life. At least just simplify as much as humanly possible, because that grand goal or image that you have in your mind, it's too much. It's too much for your mind to comprehend and put into action. And I used to make myself feel bad for that. I'm like, no, I should be able to act on this big thing. And like, I'm smart enough and I'm capable enough, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with realizing that we need, we need things broken down for us to yeah. actualize. Yeah. So. And I mean, when we have that big dream of ours in focus, it can feel overwhelming because sometimes the dreams are so big and we sit back and we think about, well, I'm nowhere close to that dream. How can I possibly get there? Because it feels like a big leap. It feels like, you know, you have to like literally climb a mountain to get there. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if we keep the end in mind naturally because that's the vision that's what we want to keep in mind mm -hmm. we need to keep that in mind but we we need to forget about the fact that it's going to take various steps steps to get there all we need mm -hmm. to focus on is the first step and then the next step after mm -hmm. that one at a time and mm -hmm. over time it will all accumulate and all compound to you know maybe having climbed that mountain Yes. Mm -hmm. But, and you can look back and then see, oh, wow, I actually climbed the mountain. But when we're in, in the moment and we're focusing on the climb of the mountain, it's so overwhelming that mm -hmm. so many of us will stop ourselves. Again, the limiting beliefs will start to rear their ugly head and say, oh no, that mountain's too steep to climb. We can't do it. We're not going to do it. I'm just not even going to start and try. Mm -hmm. So back to your point, keeping the little steps, simplifying it as much as we can, and just focusing on that first step. Once that step is done, what is the next step? And then over time, we'll get to where we need to be, but just doing it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. And, and another way to do that is that grand goal that you have in your mind. Think of at least for me to be able to think about the next step. I think about the type of person, the type of woman, man, that would have that thing, that would mm -hmm. have that job or that partner, or that house or that state of mind or that body yeah. or whatever. What type of person would have that? And what does that type of person do tomorrow? What type of person, what do they do before they go to work? What do they, what do they eat? What do they listen to? Every little thing, I will dissect it in that way. And of course, I'm not always like doing that 24 seven. There's days where I just need to like binge out on McDonald's and not go to the workout I needed to go to, but that's what I needed. That's what I needed to do that day. And it's like, once yeah. you're able to give yourself grace in that process, but also realize like, okay, tomorrow I need to do what that person would do. It becomes less strict in my opinion. Like it doesn't become this, like, okay, I need to do it this tomorrow and this and like, just flow through it. And <laughs> that's easier said than done, but these are little steps. <laughs> yes. I, I think, and what I teach as my third step in my sort of program is, is the alignment piece or, and what is alignment really alignment is just, you know, finally coming into um, line with the person that you are, the person that you are meant to be. And 
who that person is and what are the steps and the and the behaviors that that person has. And so part of the alignment piece is really getting into creating an identity that um, resonates with who you are as a person and the things that you, so there's aspects of our current self that might be brought into this new identity, but then there are new characteristics and new sort of uh, personality traits that we need to embody in order to allow this expression of identity to come to its fullest. And when we do that, when we can step into that identity, the taking the behavioral steps or those little, you know, action steps forward becomes a little bit easier because it's mm -hmm. not, it's not coming from a place of force, but rather from a place of like, this is who I am deep down at the core. And it goes back to what you were saying about how finding someone who's already doing the things that you want to do in your life, you know, whether it's fitness or a new business or a new relationship, whatever the case may be, if you find someone that exists in real life that is doing those things or that has those things that you want for yourself and you sit back and you look at what are some of the qualities great qualities or maybe, you know, resilient qualities that this person has that we believe helped them achieve this goal, then we can actually start to model that for ourselves and start to integrate some of those um, behaviors or some of those um, characteristics in our own identity, because we can see that it's possible for someone else. Mm -hmm. So I love how you mentioned that because it's, it's really important that identity piece and getting clear on the identity of the person who has the goal or who has that dream life or who has that dream career or that dream partner that we're seeking if we can find that individual and role model that individual to an extent obviously naturally understanding where we are and who we are as individuals but if we can embrace some of the great qualities that that person has and find a way to embody them, then it, it will naturally lead us towards also achieving those same goals. Mm -hmm. That was beautifully said. It, it goes back to your GPS example, because you can yes. see where you are and just try to incorporate some of that for yourself on your own journey. You're not trying to be that person, but you're just trying to incorporate that into your own journey, which is so true for anything anyways, because anything you ever do or decide on or want to do or don't want to do is a projection of things that you've heard or seen or done or experienced anyways. So there's nothing wrong with also bringing that into your spiritual journey. You know, the whole thing is that that's a whole nother hole to go down, but everything is spiritual. And so your yeah. spiritual journey is it's your, your entire, it's, it's all the spiritual journey, every single thing. And so yeah. I don't know, I just think that's a beautiful way to look at it. But I really like how you explain that because it gives you the sense of control, like you are holding the steering wheel, but yeah. you're experiencing things along the road and you can kind of like pull things in as you go or take things out as you go. And it gives you that freedom. Yes. Yes. I mean, we've all heard we need to release control and, you know, being in control is, you know, not something that Western society or society really wants from us. But I think it's, it's the understanding of what control means that we mm -hmm. need to get clear on because you're right. We cannot control the things that are happening in our life but we can control how we react to them. Mm -hmm. We can control the choices we make after the situation happens. And so, like you said, we can be in the driver's seat as the journey, as everything is happening along the side or, our, you know, the experience, the human experience, as that is all happening, we can be in control to an extent and to a, a degree in, not in what is showing up, but after what's showing up, how are we going to, how are we going to internalize it? How are we going to take that experience in? And then what are we going to do with that experience? And how are we going to, you know, sort of express that back out into the world? That's mm -hmm. the points that we have control over. Um, 
And I think that's the most beautiful part, right? Because we should be open to what the universe has to, to offer us and the experiences and the opportunities that come our way, because we never know where, what beautiful things can happen in our life if we stay open mm -hmm. to that. Um, if we're always just trying to control everything, then we will never be open to those experiences. But when we can control our reaction and when we can control the choices we make as a result of those experiences, I think that's where the power lies. And I think that's where transformation can happen. And I think that's where we can also sort of step into our light and then have that come out into the world and shine out into the world. Mm -hmm. I think that was beautifully said. And I think a really great spot to close us out. So please give everyone where they can find you, where they can work with you, where they can get your podcast and everything like that. I'll have everything in the show notes for you guys, but yeah. Yes. So um, my website is awakenharmony.ca. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I, my handle is awakenharmony8. Um, I do have a three month coaching program, which I can send some information on, but actually more importantly, I would love to offer, um, anyone listening, if they're interested in starting to explore, uh, whether they have limiting beliefs, what these limiting beliefs are, I do have a little sort of guide that walks you through how to identify what these belief systems are. So I'll share that link with you and you can add that to the share no uh, show notes as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yes, of course, you can reach out uh, and connect with me. All of my information is on my website. So feel free to uh, to reach out if uh, if you need some help with anything. Awesome. And check out our episode together, guys, on Carla's podcast. That'll be out like sometime in maybe April, right? Or something like that. So go check that one out. That was a really good conversation too. And Carla, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for all your nuggets of wisdom. And I love your energy. I've, I love chatting with you. I'm looking to forward to like, just keep collabing with you. Honestly, you're someone that I've really vibed with um, in our conversation. So just know how much I, I appreciate you being here and, and sharing. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, you know, the feeling's definitely mutual. I'm really loving our collaboration projects that we've had so far, our energy. And I think that, you know, if we can keep um, the intention that we have in mind uh, and keep working together, that I think we can create something beautiful to uh, to share with the world. So I'm, I'm definitely interested um, in seeing where that takes us. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. I will have everything in the show notes for you guys. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as we enjoyed chatting. Bye.